Get Into Gate. This is episode 199, talking Stargate Atlantis. My name's Mitch. Joining me, Matty Gibson. Well, hello. And you're the only Gibson joining us this week. Uh, a boy, a boy, Brandon. Uh, look, you know, anyone who doubts that man's a hard worker, he is a very hard worker, such that he cannot be with us today. And he said, go on without me. The pod must continue. And also, it's been two weeks since our last episode, so well, we kind of needed to do something. And Brennan's like, hey, look, you know, we got a big one next time, uh, episode 200. Let's keep that on track. And uh, you guys go and talk about Condemned Without Me. And you and I, Matty, yeah, both he's... said in unison, we can do this. Yeah, well, he's, he's busy prepping. I expect him to have all kinds of weird and wonderful things for 200 next week. Yeah. Plus, I'm kind of feeling a slight Grace 2.0 vibe. Like, he's just mm-hmm. like, ugh, Condemned. It's fine. Do it without me. It's fine. Don't want, like. Well, to your first point, uh, as someone who did sit next to that guy through many classes, through many years of high school, he's nothing but research. Um, <laughs> we even uh, coined the, uh, the the row that we sat at in English, the no work row, NWR. We were going to get tattoos mm. when we got old, but even yeah, that. But see, Stargate's different. I mean, this is this is the guy who wrote, recorded, mm. produced mm. his own cover, his entire cover. Of yeah. an extremely long Elton John song. Uh, you know, this is a man who also, you know, for a lot of people thought that he got in touch with the Cliff Simon and and got a got an interview with him. And we had Baal come in and telling people to sit in the corner and, and you know, sit in the naughty corner. Wow. So, you know, I... he's he's done some pretty amazing things. He really so. has, and I'm and I'm going to say, I mean, we've just had a, a a reworking of an Elton John song come out with Elton himself and Britney Spears, and I dare say more work and a better payoff came with Brendan's ode to uh, to Daniel. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, we're going to talk about condemned. Now, you just joked that is this a bit of a Grace 2.0? I couldn't remember how we talked up or talked about uh, Condemned on our last podcast or even our last Atlantis one two pods ago. I said to Brennan when he was like, look, you might have to go on without me. And I'm like, look, I don't think it's going to be that hard. Condemned, really? But how did you guys sell that to me? Being the first time Stargate Atlantis watcher, I have no idea what's coming up next. Do you remember shorthand what you said to me when I asked what our next episode was? No, I don't. I don't know. I barely remember talking about it. Okay. Well, it's probably a good thing because, you know, I press play. I don't know what to expect. And I... It's good with uh, with Atlantis in particular that I don't press play going, oh, this is the one the guy said is, said is terrible, as opposed to you know one of our more recent uh, SG one episodes where it's like, oh, it's Vala's last and oh, it's it's shit, but you know because I was going to have to miss a pod, but you're like, well, don't because it's Vala's last one, and and so I sort of go in because I think I've got that pre knowledge of the show, I feel a little bit more comfortable knowing how you guys feel about it. Whereas um, with the condemned, um, well, first of all, look, let's get into the synopsis and. Then and we can talk about the uh, about the episode. The team visits a technologically advanced planet inhabited by a civilization mysteriously unharmed by the Wraith. The team tells Weir of their discovery. However, she begins to suspect the idyllic environment may be the result of a sinister pact between the planet's leader and the Wraith. Yeah, and uh, I tell you what, I wasn't expecting this. All the- all of a sudden it pops up directed by your boy Peter Deloise Peter so Deloise he's, uh, he's here he's back SGA style and uh, yeah The Condemned it was um, story yeah, by a brand new name Sean mm-hmm. Carley one and done very late oh, in the really? game as far as Stargate's concerned has a one and done yeah so 
Story by Sean Carley, tell play by Carl Binder. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, Binder's back. Yes, yeah, wait. Binder's now, back. Binder's, Binder's doesn't usually do a lot of S, uh, Atlantis. He's normally, mm. you know, more SG1. But, um, yeah, so obviously not invited back after <laughs> after this one. <laughs> Shawnee boy. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I guess my overall sort of feeling on it was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that great. And, and I said that to Brennan when he's like, look, I might not be able to, to make it because of work. And I'm like, look, you know, we'll just get this out of the way. It's a condemned, dare I say, it's not a great episode. But I didn't know how you guys might have felt because like maybe I was missing something. And, you know, I watched this first thing in the morning um, uh, the other day. Uh, and I'm like, maybe that sent me into a weird headspace. But also, at the same time, as I didn't think it was an awful episode. I just didn't think it was much. It was just like, okay, cool. That was 42 minutes of Stargate. But at the same time, I felt like it, it moved very quickly. It at some stage I had to press pause and I honestly thought like 14 minutes had gone by and it was at like that 28, 29 minute mark like we're getting really close to that sort of climax scene and uh, I was really surprised about how fast it had been moving and I don't know whether that was because you know we had the the setting within the the prison around the gate but we also had the action going on around that sort of really advanced part of that world but then we had also the stuff going back uh, on Atlantis and we're cutting between not even different storylines per se, but I guess different elements of, of that story and, and different people's little conversations weird with the, is it the magistrate? Uh, her dealings and stuff. And obviously we've got all the, uh, the stuff going on with uh, with Shepard and the, and the prisoners. And mm. I don't know, I just felt like it, it moved really quickly, but at the same time didn't, didn't necessarily give a lot. Although now that I'm sitting there thinking, oh, hang on, well, we've, we're, talking about a story that you know revolved around a separate society that usually in these stories the, the if we're going to deal with two separate um uh, parts of the civilization like i think about that one where there was that civil war you know the it was at the same one and i know many have the, the stargate as like this um you know religious symbol or very um uh, a very priceless sort of artifact but in some stories whoever has the stargate you know it's like the dominant territory because they know how important this thing is whereas here no we're sending a convicts it's australia to the to the 1700s <laughs> world right we're sending them there so that the wraith because in a, this galaxy you don't want to be near a stargate you don't want to be easily tracked down this is where we send our people to get fed on so that they don't bother us so i do find that an interesting uh story idea but um for whatever reason it just didn't have uh didn't have a lot of oomph come the end of the uh end of the episode i didn't really feel um yeah impacted too much by it but um that's a first time watcher what about you having to um to go yeah, back and watch it again I, I definitely don't like actively hate it it's i think I have enjoyed it more in the past than I did this time, but I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, that happened, next. Like, there wasn't really a lot going on, given that it's like Ronan's first time, like, quote-unquote, on the team, heading through, all that kind of stuff. There was none yeah. of that to deal with. I did, what I liked about it the most is in the fact that it was kind of a classic sci-fi kind of trope thing, in that it was kind of like a metaphor and an analysis of class warfare. Mm. being that it's okay we're going to send our you know um our prisoners and our um criminals and stuff to this place they're going to get fed on but it's like it was such a good deterrent that they had to make the rules stricter and stricter Mm. and stricter and stricter to keep enough people heading over there to keep the wraith satisfied so that was kind of interesting i almost wish there was probably more of that stuff going on 
that like maybe that was the slow build rather than so much of the like i mean the team spent how long just tied up in that shack like yeah. <laughs> it seemed like they spent a long time <laughs> tied up in there and i didn't like like it really did rely on Terrell. Like it really relied. Like him, he just knew McKay. He could mm. just read McKay like a book. Couldn't do it to the others, which I thought was weird. He just knew McKay. And I mean, there was that line about, "Oh, I know guys like you." You blah blah. You know. But it's like he seemed to just be able to really get a solid read on McKay and knew when he was lying, knew when he wasn't, all that kind of thing. It. <sighs> It was just a little... Like, I know we're on an alien planet with, you know, people sucking the life out of you through their hand vaginas and stuff like that. So, but to me, that was the part too far. It's just Mm. like, why... I almost would have preferred if there was some kind of thing where Terrell was actually like, I don't know, a political dissident or a leader of, of something that was trying to expose all this stuff that was going on when he found out about it. Kind of like the, the, um, that adjutant that the magistrate had where she kind of you know, gave up gave up to Weir or whoever mm. was towards the end what was happening and then she got taken away. I almost would have liked some kind of backstory on him where it's like, oh, well, he was in that position to get us. So it's because I was just like, well, what, what was his crime? What did he do? Like, it just, it, it was a lot to take in. And like you said, in a very fast-moving episode, it was a lot to take in. So I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You said it earlier on, but... um. I I found myself really sort of taken out of the episode uh, for a second because I'm like, hang on, this is... I mean, I know we're only a couple of uh, episodes into the season, but I'm like, oh, wow, this is Ronan's first off-world mission, like where he's just one of the team. And uh, there he is. Got himself a new coat. Got the trench coat, and he's yep. he, he, and he's got the uh, the hair pulled back. and But yet when they left the ship, coat's off. Hairs out. He's uh, and the and the sleeves are gone. Right, like he's in he's in mission mode. And then when they yeah. jump back onto the ship because they've been saved um, by the uh, by the advanced side of that planet, and uh, back the coats on. He's back in the ship, and I'm like, oh, this is like, I don't know. There was a weird sort of, yeah. in a way, my head was looking at it as if it was like some kind of continuity error because oh, it ab- never s- absolutely would have been absolutely yeah. <laughs> just because they it was absolutely so- had the camera set up inside the puddle jumper. <laughs> Shot all those scenes that they had to at once, okay, and then went on location. Absolutely, yeah. that would have happened. And when, okay, good. And when they I got on location, to... my mum would have said, "It's too hot for this coat out on location. <laughs> I'm getting rid of it." Yeah, absolutely. I wonder whether there were some scenes um, between, you know, sort of getting out of the ship or or getting back on it that they had to sacrifice because it would have been such a blatant continuity. Mainly mm. getting off the ship, I guess. If he's like. Literally, like they land and then he's walking down the ramp or whatever, and he's his hair's out and his coat's off, and it's like you never had that up and you never had that on. So it's just mm. like we need to cut at least five or ten minutes out of this little story. Look, uh, you so know, you questions. know, I love me some Peter DeLuise, and look, I don't know if he had something going on personally in his life, or maybe they didn't give him enough prep time for this episode. But that wasn't the only issue. There was a lot in this episode. Mm. Uh, right at the start after they land, like, on the planet, after after they get shut down or whatever, when they're, like, walking through the debris, there's, like, a close... It's almost a close-up shot of an empty packet of Oreos, like a family pack of Oreos, (laughs) just, like, in one of those opening shots, like, on this alien world. And then when, at the very, very start of the episode, when the jumper comes through the Stargate Mm. with our team on it, if you look closely in the background, there's already a second jumper parked slightly behind some trees. 
because mm. they reuse that shot later on for when Weir's uh, jumper comes yeah, through, yeah, and yeah. and the team's jumper is crashed on the uh, on the thing. So there was there was a lot. Peter was having a hard time. I think he was having a hard time <laughs> this week. Not his best. But on the flip side of that, he also like did some really cool stuff in this episode. Like that um, that moment where. They're going through all the gear, like like all the prisoners are going through all of all the Atlantis team's gear, and there's that moment with like the rocket launcher on the shoulder where it fires yeah. backwards and blows up the hut. That wasn't in the script. The script just said the prisoners go through their equipment. Yeah, <laughs> and Peter yeah, Louise was... went. I'm blowing some shit up. <laughs> that was a cool moment. I actually just even like the idea of the different um, members on set. Obviously, the cast with uh, what did the bloke's name was uh, the lead prisoner, uh, Terrell. Terrell. He's uh, he picks up the the gun, uh, whatever it is, and uh, and fires off. And then you can see obviously the bullets hitting the lake behind him. I'm like, oh, that's cool because mm. like that matched up from the prop. You know, you know, you can see the bursts of fire on the prop, and then you can obviously see that happening. I, I'm like, I'm looking at that going. I don't. I hope none of that is a special effect. I hope that's all practical and it's different people firing off different things at the same time. That's well timed. That looks great. But then yeah, that rocket thing that was really funny. For one, it was just funny. But two, I'm like, ooh. Jeez, I hope no one was there. Um, like this tight little group, because at this stage we didn't know what that what those people were. Oh no, we did. Sorry, that was the return scene. But mm. I'm still like, yeah, these guys all seem like they're pretty tight with one another. We don't know how long any of them have been here. Like they could have established, you know, friendship groups yeah. or families or something like that. Like they could have just blown up three of their best mate, friends. Like, and it was all for a gag. So I mean, that, yeah, that no. could have been the hut that they were holding the team prisoner in. Exactly, because we <laughs> Im- immediately cut from that explosion to the guys in a little hut. I'm like, it could have just as easily been them, which doesn't really affect the prisoners i mean they did want to use them to help you know uh get mm. them uh, get them out of where they were but at the same time uh you know they would have just killed people that they'd never met so that was yeah. uh, that was fun interesting bits of trivia on old terrell is you may you may i, mean, I didn't recognize it but he's actually um dr levant from wormhole extreme he's like the daniel jackson knockoff actor guy right from the show within the show wormhole extreme and he was also back in season three in that episode Shades of Grey, where there's mm-hmm. like that NID off-world thing where there's like um, the chick with the short hair and the guy yeah. and Jack goes and works with him. Yep, yep, yep. Same guy. Same guy. I th- honestly, I thought I recognized him, but I don't know whether it was just because he stood out amongst the rest of yeah. the prisoners because he was the cleanest. Lo- I mean, I, I want to say the makeup was great. Everyone's teeth looked disgusting. So whoever <laughs> did the makeup job did a really, really good job because and it didn't matter whether it was him or other people that couldn't seem to close their mouth, little mouth breathers, but their teeth just looked foul. And I thought, mm. well, that's great because quite often you see these shows where you know we're going to go back, you know, uh, it's a period piece. It's only a couple of hundred years. We're going to go back to like, you know, the the second or third century or whatever. Caveman times. We're going to tell a story and it's like, oh, but the main female is absolutely beautiful and she's got these beautiful pearly white teeth or something. Yeah. It's like, really? Because I mean, okay, I don't want, we don't need to go for true realism with any of the actors because they would have all looked like bloody Neanderthals if we're going back that far. But like, come on, if no one's brushing their teeth and these prisoners. So I actually did really like, yeah. uh, like that element, but um, he did stand out. So um, that would make sense because he did look, he, he looked familiar. Yeah. What did you think of their costumes, Mitch? What did you think of their costuming? Did it stand it? Did it stand out to you at all? Was there anything is interesting it, about it? Have they? Is it reused or something? Is that what you're going to tell me? Because I want to say, it is, but not from where you would think. 
Okay. Oh no. Where are we where are we going? No, you <laughs> finish. Have... You finish your thought. I, you finish I don't know. I have. No, I've got nothing. I've actually got nothing because mm. I probably didn't take enough of that in. I, I, if you asked me to even sketch trout, I would have no idea. I would absolutely yeah, have no just, idea how they. Dress. It's just random bits of leather and dangly. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, some of the pieces from uh, that the cast were wearing were rented from Waterworld. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. Yeah, through whatever production company did that, holding on to a few bits and pieces. Peter DeLuise, I think, was very excited about that. He was. Yeah, just well, like, that makes was... sense. Like, yeah, that. Now that you say that, um, I can again can't truly picture the gate ones, but I've seen Waterworld a bunch of times. And I'm like, yeah, that would make sense for prisoners that are living off nothing, you know. And yeah, wow, okay. I mean, when you say they borrowed them off Waterworld, that's because I mean, this episode well, would have been filmed them. like. But well, yeah, hire them or whatever. Like yeah. that's ten or twelve years. I'm like, by this stage, I'm like, whoever, what Warner Brothers, Universal, you probably let those costumes go, right? Like, you know, what are you? Were you holding on for a Kevin Costner sequel? Um, although I will put yeah, it down right. here right now. I'll put a deposit on this podcast. Give me Waterworld two. I will take. I will take another adventure of that guy who drinks his own piss on his own yacht, trying to find the only land in the world. 30 years after the last one. Absolutely give it to me. Between Yellowstone Season 5 and 6, Kevin Costner, give me Waterworld 2, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Make it happen. Dennis Hopper is a smoker leading the smoke. And yes, God, I love that movie. I love yeah, that movie so hard. It's good. It's a good Put movie. it in amongst that. It's so bad, it's good, or it's just such cheesy. Like, I don't care. Mad Max on water. Yes. Exactly. Please. That's it. Mad Max with jet skis. What yes. movie do you want? What and more guy, do you want? And a want? guy with gills. I mean, come on. Yes. Come on. So good. I think only because so it was good. so fucking expensive to make. It was, like, budget-wise, it blew out. Didn't blow out because of also, like, they went really, really long on the on the shoot as well. Like, and the director left, shoot. like, halfway. At some stage That's during production, right. the director either left or got <coughs> fired, and Kevin Costner had to to take over the reins because he directed a little bit by that stage, so he, uh, he ended up finishing yeah, off the wow. film. So, yeah. Because yeah, that's one what of those... you want, is the guy who's literally in every f***ing scene in the film to direct it as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. When he's not, you know, he's not had a lot of experience yet. Um, and um, the other the other bit of trivia too was the magistrate guy who we mentioned before. Yeah. He's been in Stargate as well. He was the canon back in Demons in season three. The guy that had the little, um, he was like, he looked like a, um, the Americans with the big buckles. Pilgrims. He looked, remember he looked like a pilgrim. Yeah, okay. Um, and he had yeah. and he had the ring that called down the lightning and it was the Unas yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, that guy. That was the magistrate. Same guy. Yeah. I was sitting there looking and so in that in Demons was he a he was a bad, bad guy. guy. He yeah. was bad. Good, because right, he pops up the first scene where he pops up like that. That woman comes out and collects the team, and they're like, "So you know, what are those people? How long have they been there? Why are they sent there?" Blah, asking questions. They go, "Oh, that's a uh, that's a question for the magistrate." And then you get in, you meet this guy, and I'm like, "Oh, there's the bad guy for the episode." Like he just has that face, and I'm I didn't know whether he'd been in this show before and a different as a different character or he's just one of those actors that you know random tv shows and the late 90s early 2000s pick up to play guy that's not bad but then turns out to be bad the whole yeah. time because he's just got that written across his face and oh, it was interesting the outfits gave me tolan vibes too like all the all the yeah, mainland yeah, yeah. outfits yep. where they're all wearing the gray and silver i'm like are they leftover tolan outfits they're using mm. or I don't know. Jeez, that yeah, would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Like they were almost outcasts, sort of from from the Milky Way galaxy. They'd somehow gotten to Pegasus, and you know, just continued on their um, mm. just kept the same. Continued outfits, on their though. civilization, but had taken a dark turn with the wraith and sort of sacrificing <laughs> some of their own. Um, yeah, he. 
like he makes sense and if they've used him before great the magistrate but like mm. oh, there was there were some real acting choices or moments of his that I was a bit skew if on um but first and foremost the guy I don't remember his name but like the unexplainably really smart um, with mechanics and science of all things oh, the, to help the freaky out. guy the quote unquote right. freaky guy is what Peter yeah. Delvin's now I mean what were they going for with like was there supposed to be a touch of like you know Rain Man innocence about this guy like he's just you know he's so he's, 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 he's brilliant but sort of socially awkward or were they going for some type of like you're like, hey, oh, he's just this guy. Like, I don't know what, the, like, I don't know where the guy was playing him as like this sort of, you know, uh, you know, at this guy with a, sh- a brain of a child. Is he mentally disabled to some description? Like, what is this guy going for? Because I honestly got awkward watching the bloke play him. I think it changed a lot throughout this very fast-moving episode, but I didn't really know what the show wanted him to be. I didn't know what the actor portraying him wanted to be, and I just sort of felt back and was like, "Oh, this just feels a little awkward that you're just—I don't know—I don't even know how to word it because it's, I'm going to offend somebody." It's but like, funny you ask, Mitchell. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you may have noticed I've been dropping Peter Deloise's name a lot in this episode and what his thoughts were because, yeah. wonderfully, the audio commentary, Peter Deloise. Featuring someone who's not even in this episode, one Walter Gary Jones. <laughs> so first I'll, um, I'll play you this first bit and then we'll get into um, Peter DeLuise going to the How Come Room for mm. the quote-unquote freaky guy. His words, not ours. So, uh, Gary, what is the reason that you, you, you have joined us here on an, an Atlantis episode? Because um, you, don't usually, you don't usually come on Atlantis as, as an actor. Exactly. And uh, the main reason is because uh, you... Uh, you told me I had to be here. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. Um, and thank you for coming. By yeah. Oh, no problem. No problem. But y- you know, when you put out the call, uh, and I hear uh, Peter Deloise has requested you, just, your you just show up and you don't ask any questions. No. So I think you know, even even Peter knew he had a rough episode that he was trying to you know <laughs> push uphill here. And here's what happened with the um, yeah the the quote unquote freak uh, as Peter <laughs> Deloise says. Now this guy's got like Tourette's and uh, ADD and some sort of tick. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun too. And I went to the how come room for that. Why is he so freaky? Yeah. And I said, "Well, do, do you do you see the movies that we're copying? Mad Max and Waterworld. They all have a freak." Yeah. Every prison movie that I know has the one freak. In Mad Max, this is the guy that remember they throw the boomerang yeah. and he catches the boomerang and, and his cuts fingers, his fingers got cut, cut off and they all laugh. That. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh my god." And they're like, oh, that's hilarious. And then he's the equivalent, right, to that guy. Right. And he overcomes the pain and goes, yeah, I guess it was kind of yeah. funny. You guys think I'm funny? <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I don't have any fingers left. <laughs> right. I'd flip you off, but I don't have a finger. <laughs> wow. That was, okay. the, that was the thought process. He had to go to the how come room for it. Uh, okay. that, was, that was his thought process. I mean, I get his reasoning. There are those sort of characters within those settings, like it's yeah, it's, it's dystopian or something, and then you've got someone who doesn't quite belong in that. Not not as not as rough, not as evil, not as not as even rough looking. Maybe and this guy, you know, he'd been through some shit like they all had. But um, yeah, I don't know. There was just something a bit awkward about how he played it that like maybe he was just going hey you're the you're the different guy in amongst all these like you know vicious criminals uh but he was coming at it as if he was playing something a little bit more real world a little bit more dramatic mm. or something i don't know i just felt a little bit a little bit off but i think it was weird it was a choice <laughs> going back to the magistrate he his moment for me that i'm like oh you had 
fewer moments, but you had like he was just more about quality rather than quantity. The moment at the end where you know clearly the the the, the prisoners you know they escape through the gate. Uh, the Wraith are over top. You know, their, their ship is... With the, the drone thing getting fired up and tearing through it, the Wraith ship looked fucking incredible. Yeah. Uh, but then the other one that's undamaged, all of a sudden going, okay, there's no one to eat here. Well, let's just go back to where we definitely know there are people and they're clean and probably got clean blood. And... Then you see the magistrate sort of like, oh, look through the window. And then it's from behind him as he walks up to the glass and you see the ship coming. And then he just slowly raises his hand over his mouth and then it cuts so close up and he's just doing the... And it was like they said, don't worry, we're going to fade to black after like a second. But if you could just give us like 15 or 20, it'll give us some room to work with. And holy shit, it went on for so awkwardly long that I don't know whether I'm just like oh Deloise is having a laugh here yeah. or this guy doesn't know how to do no, that and that's fine because that's they a had tough to, thing to they, convince they, they, no doubt they had to cut some visual effects shorts, uh, shots short earlier in the episode so they were just shy they were just shy of the runtime they needed <laughs> to hit so well, luckily we've got twenty seconds of this guy overacting. Yeah, um, we'll just we'll just keep doing that before we fade to black. I did I did like <laughs> that ending like. Just the idea of just the the Wraith cruiser just turning towards the city and just moving yeah. forward and it fading to black. It was kind of like a Twilight zone kind of thing where mm. you're just like, you know they're f***ed. We don't need to see it. You just know. And it's yeah. like, you don't really feel any... Well, I mean, I don't feel any remorse for the magistrate. I do, you know, but if you think about like that, the, um, the adjutant girl, it's like, well, she didn't... I mean, she was complicit, but she kind of had that last minute, oh, this is actually kind of... Yeah, here's an, no, op- I, here's an opportunity I'm, to change things around. So yeah. I'm glad you say that because that was my first thought too. I was like, "Well, you deserve it, you asshole." But then I'm like, "Oh, hang on, a lot of other people here do too." But oh, mm. oh, well, she didn't. I'm like, "Well, no, hang on, no, she just she turned for whatever reason." But she's been part of this the whole day. Everyone's been okay with this setup for far too long, mm. and all of a sudden, of course, it was going to bite them back. Like the idea that. They even invited Wraith to come and have a little feed and, and to dine their wine. And this guy said, I will eat this, but it doesn't satisfy me. And let them in their halls and their dining areas and stuff. Like, that's a bit like, come on, mate. Like, he, he's got that Darth Vader thing going on where he's like, pray I don't alter it any further sort of situation <laughs> about it. And it came back to like, us. I do kind of like, it's like this, as much as you think this episode, like, like you think about it, you go... Yeah, this could be an SG one episode for all mm. intents. It'd be slightly different. Like Hammond wouldn't be going off world and going to their planet to chat with them. It'd be yeah. it'd be over it'd be over a video screen at the very most. So mm. there wouldn't be that cool moment we had where she like you know had the, the guys pull their muscle and like hey we're you know we're leaving. Yeah. But then you think about it as well, and it's like well the Guauld wouldn't even really go for this. They wouldn't want prisoners. They'd be like, no, no, you set up an island with, like, your prettiest people, like, all the hottest people <laughs> in your planet, because we want good-looking hosts. Just just do, like, a love island kind of thing. Just put all the hot people on that island, and we'll just come through, and we'll just take the hot ones that we like yeah. as hosts. Which doesn't really have as much social commentary as putting prisoners on an island and, and feeding them to the Wraith does. So... Mm. I guess it really does only work. This particular scenario does only really work with the Wraith, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's what I did like about even just from the start, whereas, you know, like I said before, where the the flip of 
the worst people, or as far as we're as we're told, are around the gate as opposed to the richest or the most religious or the most important or whatever it is that uh, that tend to hang around mm. the gate. If anybody makes a community around the gate, it tends to be well the most powerful, if if nothing else. So yeah. this to the be only the only thing that quite didn't work is if the if the wraith is supposed to come through the gate to take the prisoners and that's why the gate is isolated on the island with the prisoners mm. then why did the cruiser come yeah 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 what what why did they send a cruiser yeah. why wouldn't they just send a couple of darts through and scoop everybody up yeah other than for us have something for us to fire on yeah. and then for that moment at the end where the yeah. cruiser turns um mm. and to come to the city i was like mm. Okay, and two cruisers as well. Like mm. one that gets blown. Yeah, up, exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Like take that, take that out, take them out, so that we don't have. Like, we don't do anything in this episode, really. If that's the case, like we get shot down, we're prisoners. We negotiate with some of the guys, and then we go home. Like it would have been quite uneventful for our team. I'm wondering whether okay, the cruiser's got a real okay. It's a star destroyer sort of effect like holy shit something big's here as opposed to a couple of tie fighters showing up but i feel like those darts if all of a sudden they just had a bunch of darts whizzing over the city uh you know like th- that would have been maybe oh, not as the same effect. ominous but it would have been like holy shit it would have been almost like war like we're being attacked here as opposed to oh okay death is coming but um yeah you're right like why i I didn't actually think about the fact of why are they here like they've come a long way just to eat 30 or 40 people or something you know and how long's it been since yeah there's gonna there's gonna be more than 30 or 40 people manning those two wraith cruisers so it's like Mm. there's not even one person per per wraith yeah something that we've spoken about in the past and i think this would have been a perfect opportunity for it if we is we've spoken about the fact i think might have even been the pilot that we never see puddle jumpers go through the gate cloaked. And there's literally mm. a moment here where Weir's like, got the team, she's saddled up, she's like, okay, cloak immediately once we get through the other side of the gate. And we have like a shot of it, you know, coming through. And it's like, why can't they just cloak beforehand? <laughs> and they never would have been seen. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Even like at the start, I, you know, like he said, oh, we've got to get close enough to, you know, establish a dialogue with home. Now, okay, I understand that they were attacked with, you know, sticks and, 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 and slingshots earlier on in that first scene, but they weren't to know that they had some kind of exploit. And like, hey, they were highly organized, like well across. Mm. The, that puddle jumper was flying and they had just weapons going off from like kilometers after each other, like very well coordinated attack. But at the same time, okay, shoot, go up. Oh, well, there's an explosion in front of us. Okay, we'll just shoot up two, three hundred meters. Why not? Like, oh, do we need to do that? Probably not. No, but just do it anyway. Like, if all you need is to get close enough to the gate, well, you were nowhere near it then. So why don't you, rather than be three kilometers out getting attacked a hundred meters off the ground, why don't you get just above the gate and shoot up as high as you like, or circle well above like where these guys can't get you. We're just you were there to get shot down. I just found that really, uh, really yeah. dumb. Why? I mean, Shepard's he's it's all controlled essentially by his mind, right? Like he just has to think about it, and it would have happened. So the idea that they just kept flying straight, just hoping to outrun them, even though what happened proved to them are oh, they're everywhere like we we can't tell where they are so we can just safely assume you would think they are everywhere until with until they're not they're everywhere let's get away from this so i just found that a bit 
Yeah. Know, like we have to have them crash land on the ground. Let that happen. And same with, I guess, the, the hologram thing or the cloaking, especially when you're leaving Atlantis to go through. Like why... I'm trying to think it back to episode one and, and them not being able to do it. Was it a identification type situation? They no, literally like, never discuss it. They, they just n- say we can't do it. They don't even say that. Oh right. Don't even say that. It's it's that bad. They don't even say it's never we even can't mentioned. go through cloaked. It's just when we get through cloak. Yeah, yes. right. Okay. Well that's there's, so dumb. Okay. There's after the fans pointed it out, the production said as a as a running joke. In, depending on what iteration of the Puddle Jumper you look at, because they, they do change the sets a little bit as they go through the seasons. But when you're... I said in the pilot, if you're... Like, where the, when the camera's looking through the front windscreen of the Puddle Jumper, looking at the at the crew, you can see some ancient writing down, like, on sort of on the dashboard. Mm. And the joke that basically, like, Brad Wright and Cooper and all that kind of stuff said is like, oh, that actually translates to do not enter a wormhole while cloaked or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. there's, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's literally never addressed. Never in the entire run of the show is it ever addressed the idea of cloaking while going through the wormhole. Yeah, right. Yeah, just uh, mm. doesn't exist. Does not exist. Something before, I forget exactly the, the line you mentioned, but it reminded me of uh, their first meeting with the magistrate and they were talking about, um, oh, where they came from. He's like, you know, where are you from? I don't know whether they said we're from Earth, but they're like, oh, you know, we'll, we're from Atlantis. But, you know, sadly, it uh, was destroyed by the Wraith, you know, a couple of months ago or whatever the situation was. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, I hadn't thought about the fact that, like, obviously they mention it in certain meetings, like, hey, if the Wraith ever see us, but not to the point of, well, if we ever meet anybody ever again, which of course they're going to every week, go to a different planet. As far as anyone's concerned, Atlantis doesn't exist. We're not from Atlantis. We escaped to a different world just in case the information gets back to the Wraith, which in this episode, that would have been very handy information. This guy could have um, could have coughed up like, hey, we've got some people from Atlantis. Boom, they would have just went after him then. So um, I like that, you know, we only need to do that every week. But I like the idea that the lie has to go beyond hiding from the wraith, but lying to everybody else to uh, to protect themselves. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I was a bit, you know, when the wraith first showed up, I'm like, oh, of course they're here. Like, what? Like we're on a planet where this class warfare thing is designed to uh, avoid wraith conflict for the rich people and the pretty people and all that. But uh, but you know, feed uh, feed them the poor. Oh, and our people are here trying. Oh, of course, when what coincidence? The only time that the, the SGA team gets comes to this planet is when the Wraith show up. You know, within a day. But like that was kind of, I guess, the point to prove that class warfare thing. So it was sort of one of those coincidences mm. where I just have to go. Okay, whatever. It's it's yeah. an episode of TV. Uh, we did need that. But you're right. Like I. Uh, you know, you said demons. Like we 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 tore uh, not tore into that episode. We whether we liked the episode or not, but we had quite a a layered conversation after that about religion and its importance and uh, and its its long standing and all that sort of stuff. And then I think about that one with uh, oh jeez, Zapakna is that it? Where they were on, who was on trial? Uh, um, oh, pretense. Where um, pretense? Yeah, Scara was on trial. On trial, right? And it was about sort of well, you know, our food is humans. Your food is cows. You're allowing yourself to eat cows, but all of a sudden we or not eat humans, but we we can't control humans, even though you know it, it's the same sort of thing. Whereas this. Those two, I feel like, really nailed the subtext. And even if it wasn't subtext, they nailed the text, right? Whereas uh, whereas this, I don't know, like when you said that at the start going, I like it because it's such a play on, on class warfare. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'd, like, I guess I 
thought about that, but not. It didn't really come at me uh, when I was watching. Could have been the fact well, that I was they, watching this at seven a.m. in the really morning. They didn't address but, it. It was yeah, kind of I mean. just like, a very latent background thing where it's like yeah. you can you can see that. Yeah. But a good sci-fi would talk about it more. There would yeah. be a discussion about it, and there would like be you could have had Weir going and... through records. If she's there, going, oh, tell me more about. We can't find them, which is funny. They're like, oh, they're there somewhere. Well, don't worry, we'll go scanning for them. If while they're there, Weir says, tell me more about this prison system. You know, like this is an. Hey, we're trying to work out how to escape the wraith. You've worked out a way to communicate with them and come up with a compromise. How does this work? And then she does maybe not mm. research, but there's some type of information that comes upon well, it where it's um... like, hang on. So you're just sending essentially your poorest and and your most expendable it's got nothing to do with crimes it's just you're you're getting rid of you know the, the ugly people the poor people whatever it may be and that would have really okay been on the nose but at the same time that's what they were going for at a baseline and then it was just like yeah well let's let's move past it and let's just make a surface yeah. level sort well, of remember, entry I um oh i forget the name of the species now the 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 guys that tried to sterilize us from 2010 and 2001. Oh, uh, yeah. I know one of the guys' names was Boren, because mm. Jack was about Boren, but whatever that species was. Like, remember there was that whole thing where, like, Teal'c and Daniel are just, like, walking around on a farm and they trip over a bit of mm. steel and then it goes down and you find out there was a whole second civilization under there and they were, yeah. e- like, and they were eradicated. It's like, imagine if Weir had done all that kind of stuff. Yeah. To then help find, like, expose these people and then find out what happened to our team and stuff like that. Mm. That could be really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they kind of just went with, like, a Prisoners 2.0 and, yeah, kind of didn't worry about the, like, that social commentary, which is what which is what sci-fi is supposed to do. Yeah. The good, the good things about the episode, though, is I think there was a lot of nice character moments. Like, I probably spoiled it for you already, but there was the moment where... John says to Ronan, "Take it easy, Chewie. You're gonna cut <laughs> yeah, you." Yeah, um, Like, and that's that's a running gag for them. And then there was some great moments: Taylor breaking the stick, and then John breaking the stick and nearly breaking yeah. his knee instead. <laughs> and then apparently, I read in this episode, it's the first time ever Taylor calls John John. She's only called him like right. Shepherd or Major or whatever up to this point, but she called him John for the first time in this episode. Yeah, which I I didn't pick up on. So I'm like, oh, that was interesting. So, like, all those kind of bits and pieces I really, really liked because they were fun character moments. Like, and, and it mm. sort of helps. It's it's sort of slowly building that that new dynamic now that we haven't got Ford and we've got Ronan instead. Like, obviously, even, you know, Ronan fighting against his bindings and stuff like that was interesting because it's not something that Ford would ever have done, you know? Mm. So it kind of changed things around. Like, Ronan's kind of like, he does what he wants unless it's an order. And there was yeah. that moment where he's like, are you making it an order? Yeah. And then Shepard's like, well, do I have to? And he's yeah. like, mm, yeah, you kind of do. Like, yeah. And he's like, okay, fine. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I feel like we were missing between last episode and this episode. We're almost like missing a scene where it's like a welcome to the team sort of thing. But he just kind of automatically just kind of respects the chain of command. As sassy as he is with Weir, mm. he like he still respects the chain of command and all that kind of thing. I guess John also, you know, helped him stop becoming a runner. So maybe the sort of that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. But yeah, so it's that that kind of new team dynamic I find quite interesting. But the actual sort of, you know, planet of the week, alien species of the week was a bit there. Yeah. We say character moments, there were a couple of good lines that I liked from this as well. One was the moment where Ronan 
held a knife to that guy, uh, the the freak, uh, the freaky guy, as uh, as Adeloise will say. What are you doing? Give me one reason why I shouldn't cut your throat. For one, it would make a mess. Like I just, I just thought, <laughs> in in like the context of that scene, like that's his, his, that's obviously not his main concern. But he's like, hey, 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 I'm trying to de-escalate the situation. Okay, look, this is going to take ages to get the stains out. All right, and yeah. then like barely two minutes later, and uh, McKay is asked, you know, okay, so you can do this. Like you figured out a way that, oh, maybe Captain, I just if you know, I do this and I do this, is oh, what are the chances it could just happen? How long do you need? And he goes, look, well, in a perfect world, two days. Right now, uh, 10 minutes, give or take. He's union. He's clearly getting paid hourly. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, if you're paying me, two days. If I'm doing it to save my life, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe nine. Well, I mean, I think that just about wraps up my notes. I think it wraps up your notes too, yeah? like cause Well, it's... unless you want to hear a little bit of something, you might remember a couple of seasons ago we heard uh, that Joe and Paul had written lyrics to the Stargate SG-1 oh, yeah. opener. Yeah. Well, uh, Gary Jones decided uh, in the audio commentary to sing his version of the Atlantis song. Oh, brilliant. So maybe we can go out on that, hey? Yeah, right. Well, let's do that. And uh, yeah, well, next week, um, Brendan will be back because uh, we're getting the team uh, back together. I mean, you know, we've been gone separated a week. We'll be fine. We will survive. Um, it is episode 200 of the uh, of the podcast. A long time coming, obviously. But uh, something else that's been a long time coming. We're going to finally get back in what you call, Maddie, The Studes. The Studs. We're going to get back in the Studs, dude, bro. We're going to get back in and uh, get back in I the I mean, studio. we've been trying to get back in since January, so don't promise anything that we can't commit to. No, that's true. Yet. I mean, so. you know, uh, for, for any newcomers, I work at a radio station. That's where ideally we're recording the podcast because we like being together. We like being able to either hold each other or cuddle afterwards. And uh, that's that's the ancestral home of the podcast. But obviously, <laughs> since COVID started, you know, like two and a half goddamn years ago, we've been recording uh, this podcast uh, remotely and um, and quite uh, sparingly. Let's put it uh, put it that way. Because somehow, when we don't have to leave the house and we can do this as frequently as we want. Somehow we find less time to do it. Uh, I mm. don't know how that happens, but it has. We're uh, more relaxed. We're get... I mean, I, I would say it's because none of us are wearing pants because we're recording mm. from home. But I mean, we've done plenty of podcasts where we haven't been wearing any pants in the studio. So, yeah. you know, it just doesn't make sense. Well, now it does make sense. And that's why we're getting back in to do it. So uh, that's uh, that's what we're hoping for. We're going to get back into the studio. It is episode 200. We're going to be back together. And uh, we can make it all about you guys, basically. We, we yeah. uh we, we realized that, what, our next SG-1 episode, which would be our next uh, episode that we are to do a podcast on, for episode 200, you looked ahead and said, it is terrible. It's terrible. So we didn't want to waste episode 200, a milestone episode, on such a shitty episode of television. Oh, so we're going to... Ex Deus Machina. Woof. <laughs> that means nothing to me as someone who hasn't seen season nine since it first came out. So Good. Um, yeah, I will just agree with you. We're not going to waste yep. episode 200 on uh, Makina. Um, so no. we will so, be... So, uh, you know, safe. send, in your, send in your hairy mailbags now, you know? Yep. Anything. Anything. They don't just, have to ask questions. Gonna... You can give questions. You can give feedback. You can do whatever. Just make it Make it about you. We can make, you don't even have to make it about Stargate. It can just be about us. It can be about yeah. you. 
can be about us and you. I you don't send know. Nudes, you know, you can be sure. you know dressed dressed as your favorite SG one character. I mean, I, I was going to. I'm not say sure how you can be nude and dressed as your favorite SG one character, mm. but maybe just well, nude in, wrapped in a flag, just Thor. wrapped in an American flag. You could flag. be Thor and still nude, and you fa- brilliant. Mm. Yep, you, yep. You could get the eye of the ocean from the Titanic, stick it to your chest, yes. and be one of the other Asgardians. Yeah. <laughs> See, here I was. I was about to say, send in pictures your fan fiction, and you went straight to send nudes. Now I can't Absolutely. go back. Uh, I can only escalate. So married uh, versus single. Single buddy, married versus single. <laughs> I'm like, please tell me how you are shipping these two characters, and you're just like, dick and pussy pigs. Let's go. Show nudity, me what you got. <laughs> just nudity. Bathe me in it. And at this point, Give it'd it be me. really handy to have Brendan here because he would just elevate this to a uh, an obscene next level. But you know what? Maybe send in that. Yeah. Send us something that will spur Brendan on. Brendan is the spark. Yeah. You send in the petrol and watch us burn next yeah. week. Okay, that's what maybe we're if, hoping for. If Brendan was here, maybe we've got we would have got on a whole tangent where the shed they actually blew up was probably the wanking shed. Like that's probably <laughs> the shed they blew up. No, they probably, they probably would have been more upset. They would have been more upset if they'd blown yeah. up the wanking shed. So maybe oh, not. Oh no, my porn was in that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Send us in what you think that shed was. What were they doing in the shed that blew up at the rocket launcher? Yeah, let us know. Uh, hit us up on the socials. Send us in a uh, a hairy mailbag to our getintogate at gmail dot com or just yeah getintogate at Stargate Podcast on the socials. However it is, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to it on uh, episode two hundred back in the studio so we're going to be sounding a lot cleaner a lot crisper and just know that we're touching each other um while we're doing the podcast if you need that if you don't then it doesn't matter we're still talking i'm touching about myself Stargate. right now mitchell good to know um so <laughs> <laughs> look i'm not joking 10 minutes before we recorded i said to you give me 10 minutes because i was just about to have a shower and i'm like why am i even getting dressed and i come out my boy was there and he's like hey can you put the passcode into my ipad when I'm recording. So, he's, you know, we're doing our own thing. I said, yeah, can you just let me get dressed first? He goes, yeah, well, you don't want to do your podcast naked. I'm like, you'd be surprised. You'd be very surprised. I thought from the start of that com- the start of that sentence, you were going to be like, well, I said to you before, just give me 10 minutes because I'm about to have a wank. <laughs> and I need a lot of cleanup time. Yeah, I was going to say, what do, you, what do you do with the other nine and a half minutes after that? <laughs> That's the mystery, mate. That's what, uh, <laughs> I'll keep that to myself. All right, so hit us up for episode 200. Right now for episode 199, we go back to, uh, you know, let's call him the unsung hero of the Stargate franchise, Mr. Gary Jones, and uh, he... As you said, Matty, what he's come up with some lyrics for the Stargate Atlantis theme song. Take it away, Walter. Oh, excuse me, while I just go like this. Are you motivated to do that music when you when you see this opening? Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow, that was that was less that was that wasn't as exciting as I thought it was. Oh, I thought there was like full lyrics and shit. Yeah, no. Oh well, just like the episode, just a little letdown. Get into Geek.